I'm not like a regular mom, I'm a cool mom. 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 Hey, cool moms. Hi, LA. How is everyone? Good, okay, come on, get your vibes up. This is an interactive night. I have been away from Los Angeles for far too long, so I'm really, really happy to see all of you. We have to do something for the gram, though, before we get started. So take your sip. I'm gonna say, hey, cool moms. Y'all are gonna say, hey, cool moms. Thank you, damn. <laughs> y'all I, I know it was been raining but let's 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 get into it okay so stefania where's she at thank you <laughs> i love you thank you okay i'm three hey cool moms hey cool moms yes perfect okay a plus you all did fantastic uh i am so excited again to be back in los angeles i took a hiatus to new york city i know <laughs> Now we know. I'm back. Damn. I made a decision. I decided that LA is home. So I'm really, really happy to be here. And <sighs> so many things that I could talk about. Um, one, I'm going to get like a little hotepi. I know it's like the first of the year, but it's really not the new year because we don't start until spring. But, you know, I've been doing a lot of reflecting on my past year, the things that I want to manifest this year, this room being one of my greatest manifestations. And yeah, okay. Um, and one of, the, ow, one of the really kind of funny, quirky things that I've been seeing online because I am a TikTok voyeur. I don't TikTok. Some of you follow me on TikTok and you know I have not a single post on there because I'm embarrassed, which is why I have the right person in the room today who's going to get me out of my head. Um, but on TikTok, there's been this thing going around called lucky girl syndrome. How many people have heard of lucky girl syndrome? Right? Yes, yes, yes. The hands are up in the room. People get it. So if you haven't heard, lucky girl syndrome is the gentrified, rebranded law of attraction. That's all it is. What you seek is seeking you. Just people made it cute. They needed to call it something catchy, something that felt, I don't know, cute for the internet. But it's really just law of attraction. And so I've been thinking a lot about what are the things that I want? What are the things that I've been seeking? So many of those things have come to fruition. Some of those things I realized when I got them, I was like, I don't really want this. Why did I spend all this time manifesting this thing that is not actually what my heart desires? So I have really appreciated some quiet time if... Some of you have been texting, calling, DMing, FaceTiming me, and I haven't been picking up. It's because I'm in hermit mode, because I'm really trying to get quiet and understand what it is that I want, <clears throat> what it is that I desire. And also sometimes the universe puts you on your ass and does it for you if you don't do it fast enough. So I got laid off, but it's okay. Fuck that job, thank you. <laughs> Um, I signed an NDA, so I can't talk about it. But um, <laughs> I got laid off. It's okay because for me, the prayer and what I've been asking the universe and spirit up until that point is to please clear my path. Please clear my path of anything that does not serve my highest good. And you know, the funny thing about when you pray for things, when you ask for things, is that you can get them 
but you don't understand the sacrifice and sometimes the grief that comes along with what you ask for. And so I have been in like a grieving process, right? Grieving a life that I really thought that I wanted and then also preparing myself the life that really is aligned with who I am and what serves my highest good. So that's my law of attraction, law of manifestation. I have been in deep, deep, deep soul searching mode. And it has been really fantastic because as a Scorpio, as a bad bitch, as a witch, as all the things, I really value this time to myself. I really value the death and the rebirth. So I'm definitely in a death and a rebirth phase. And so in that, everyone in this room is a manifestation of a thought that I had. A time that came from me not understanding where I was going, how I was going to approach motherhood, how I was going to build community, and having no idea like this is what would come to fruition from just a thought and a moment of fear. And so to me, this is the most powerful thing that you can do. This is a manifestation. This is a law of attraction. So in that, as much as you all have poured into me, um, I want to continue to pour back into you all. So I'm really excited that this year with Cool Moms, we are working on a book, okay? Yes, we are working on a book. We are developing a multitude of ways in which cool moms can continue to tell stories of dynamic women and reach broader audiences. So feel free to tap me on the shoulder if you want to be a part of the movement. Um, <laughs> speaking of storytelling, I am incredibly excited to have our next guest on Cool Moms. She is uh, an ultimate storyteller, a fantastic thinker, creator, and a curator of some of the most fantastic people who make the world beautiful um, and also share stories. So up next is Brooke DeVard. Welcome. Thank you for that great introduction. Of course. Yes, bring your wine. Yes, of course. And so excited to be here. Hi, everyone. Hi. Doesn't she look so good? Yes, thank you so very much. Cute. And we also have lots of toddler moms here tonight, which is just like a very special category of moms. So, like, cheers to us. Cheers. I'm going to take a sip on that. Right? Take a sip. <laughs> Different from the newborn phase, but just as challenging. Oh my God, because you're kind of, you're out of that now. You're, you're a full blown toddler. I'm a, I'm a toddler, full toddler mom. When, I feel like once the kids hit two, it's like toddler. You're in it. You're in it. You're they in learn it. the word no. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like I'm slowly transitioning out of toddler now. Ooh. Sergeant turns five on Sunday. My little so Capricorn exciting. baby. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and uh, he feels like 65. Um, so I know that you have a little Virgo baby, so you can probably relate. Yes. Who he is now is who he's going to be. Okay, yeah, I feel that already. Yeah. I feel that yeah, already. It's happening. <laughs> uh, we have to kick things off, of course, with our inaugural question. Um, we get deep, we get fun, and we also get very woo-woo, this is my thing. <laughs> so Brooke, tell me, what is your sign? And if you're into this sort of thing, what are your top three, your big three, and what does that mean to you? Okay, so I don't know my big three. But I am a Leo, and I very much identify, yes. Oh. See, I see my Leo sisters in the audience. <laughs> I very much identify with other Leos, and I feel like a lot of the traits and characteristics of Leos, like I very much relate to. 
But as I go through all of the zodiac, I do find that people tend to fit their sign. And I found that in relationships, like I'm with an Aries man. Oh. But like okay. Leo Aries is like a it's like a it's like a thing. It's no, like a, absolutely. It's like a very complimentary, you know, and like you never see two Leos together. You never see like two Geminis together. God, no. you know? Yeah. That's like four people in a relationship. Don't do that. Or yeah. 40, yeah. 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 So I do believe in it. Like, I, I, I feel like people do fit their sign. Does anyone feel like they don't fit their sign? Right? So there must be something to that, you know? I feel like it's like a little bit gaslighting to be like, oh, it's not real, it's all made up. It's like, but if we all are feeling that there's some truth to this, how there's something... How there. could it be wrong? Right. Yeah, I mean, the moon controls the water... Right. You know, we're all connected. We're all connected. I, you know, I really had no idea what sign you were. So oh, I was really? really? Yeah, I didn't. I, I would oh, I like, like people guess I'm a Leo all the time. It makes complete and utter sense. Yeah. E- either I was going to say you were a Leo or that you had some sort of prominent Virgo placement. Oh, see, I am not organized. I'm not a mm. perfectionist. And, and to your earlier point about you want to let go more and post more and share more, half of the battle is letting go of this idea of perfection. Like, oh. I'm not... You know what? We'll get into it. Okay, we'll get, we'll get into, into it because we're going to go yet, there. Like, we're going to yes, go there. Yes. I have a very prominent Virgo placement in my chart and it just, it holds me it's back. It's holding you back. It's okay. holding me back, but it's fine. Um, okay, so I want to start from the beginning because what's exciting about talking to someone like you who has a very public persona, who really puts so much information out there is that there's also so much more that we don't know, right? And so I would love to kind of start from the beginning and the beginning meaning... I read in an interview that you said you grew up always really feeling beautiful and growing up in a household that affirmed your black beauty. Mm-hmm. So I would love to know, like, what did that household look like and what are the ways in which you were affirmed as a young child? Yeah, it's so interesting because I was thinking about seeing magazines at home and how, like, Essence magazine was just a staple in the household. Like, it was just always on the coffee table. Did other people have Essence magazine? Yes, and Jet. Essence and Jet. It was just like on the table. And then you would go to the hair salon and there was like the hype hair magazines. And, and I, I was thinking actually about like kids today, if you don't have, if it's just on your phone and you're controlling everything, like you don't have that influence of like the other generation and the media that they're consuming, everyone's just kind of with AirPods and in their own like portals of media. Yeah. Like there's not that shared collective experience. Um, but anyway, yes, growing up, just seeing Essence, seeing Jet, going to the hair salon, seeing other black women become, you know, beautified in the hair salon. I just always grew to appreciate black beauty. It was something that I always looked up to and aspired to, even if I was in predominantly white settings. As someone who also grew up in predominantly white settings, but I never, I didn't have that struggle of feeling like an outcast. I always felt really special. <laughs> because you like, were. You yeah, were. because yeah. I was. I, I felt like a special unicorn until life humbled me and I got to Howard University uh, right. where everybody is a special unicorn. <laughs> and I was like, oh damn, I got to try a little bit yeah. harder. So for me... <laughs> Very much me at Spelman. Like, okay, I, okay so... <laughs> Stanford, no shade to Stanford, my roommate from Stanford, Amelia's here. Um, you can attest, the, the girls were giving sweatpants and tees that, and rainbow flip-flops. Like, people would literally look me in the face and, being, and say, why are you so dressed up? And I was wearing, I kid you not, just like pants and shoes. Like, and they're like, you're so dressed up for class. I'm like, because I'm wearing 
pants and like clothes they're in pajamas like I was coming from New York it was a lot but that's like the California thing right I'm also like relearning that now that I've moved here but then I get to Spelman for a semester because Stanford Spelman and Morehouse have had this kind of exchange program for like 50 60 years um and my mother went to Spelman and my grandfather went to Morehouse right so like I had always known about Spelman it's like you know iconic school so I got to Spelman and the girls were so put together they were done the hair for 9 the nails the, the bag the shoes the, the outfit was ironed everything was like a look and I was like oh my god I need to step my game all the way up yeah I had that humbling moment my freshman year I went to one class in sweat clothes. My, my roommate is here. Oh my God, my freshman year roommate from Howard is here again. <laughs> I love that. We're both moms now too. It's really sweet. Um, and I went to one class like that and I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> I was trying to grow my perm out. It, oh God. I was like curling the ends of my Afro, trying to like make, you know, trying to make it cute and curly and give something that it didn't naturally give. Um, <laughs> So yeah, uh, there was, for me, Howard was um, the space in which I really, it was like beauty boot camp. It was where I had a better understanding of who I was, but also who I could be. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was really transformative for me. So was Spelman that place for you? Yeah, I mean, I think it was an incredible way to be surrounded by black people and the black experience in a way that I hadn't been able to before. It's also a chance to like live in the South. I re- I'm really into treating your whole life as an experiment and trying to get as many experiences as possible. That's why when I graduated, I was like, I want to go live in London. You know, like I, I'm, and now here I am in LA. Like I always want to have different experiences. And I think that as a black woman, you're able to live in so many different worlds, right? You're able to like cross into, like, I feel like in a way we have the privilege of seeing so many facets of Society, don't you feel that sometimes? Yeah, I. We have a way of. Yes, I do feel like. I feel I do align with you very much on. I've lived a multitude of lives mm-hmm. in a really short period of right. time, and I think that there is a way, especially when you have an understanding of self. I think anything that you possess, any characteristic, can then become a superpower. So because I had that experience, I think at Howard and also with my growing up in the house of my grandmother and Jet Magazine and all of these times where I was affirmed in my family, whether it was delusional or whatever, told me I was special. Then I was like, I can do anything. Yeah, I can go anywhere. I will be the special one in the room. Um, so when you were studying in school, what was your trajectory? Like, what, were you, what was, like, young Brooke interested in? What did you think you would be spending your time doing? Yeah, so I thought that I wanted to, like, go into business, like, corporate marketing, which is, you know, what I do now, but I was very... I literally am- never hear that. That I, like, well, okay. No, so, you, yeah. so let me <laughs> let me add additional context. My um, mother was, like, a CMO at Fortune 500 companies my whole life. So... There we go. It was, like, okay, this is a super bull spot we're running, which, you know, I, like, grew up understanding, like, reading Ad Age, and I was always surrounded by, like, marketing. And so it was, like, okay, I want to do marketing, because that's what my mom does, and she's so good at it, and it's so cool, and she's worked with these companies like Verizon and Revlon and, like... You know, I, I just see that it's this like very cool job and she's able to um, do a lot. So I thought I wanted to, you know, be a CMO. So I thought, okay, if you want to do business, you have to study economics. And the way that the calculus humbled me, <laughs> like macroeconomics, I was like, I got it. Supply, demand. Are there any econ majors in here? 
Okay, now... The one. <laughs> okay, correct, correct or incorrect, you have to be very good at math. Yes. Okay, but I feel like they don't really advertise that. Yeah, it's like sophomore year, it's like, here's the math. And I was not ready. Um, and then I was taking English classes for fun, and I was like struggling so hard in my econ classes, and I was loving my English classes. Mm -hmm. So I just switched majors like midway through, and I'm so grateful that I did. Any English majors here? I think it's like the best major, right? Like For a spell. Yes. I had like five majors. Oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> The, the, the ability to communicate and understand words and do storytelling, like, that's everything. So I'm so happy that I ended up an English major. I'm happy for you and also jealous. I, I think I wish when I got to school or just, like, at that age, I had a better understanding of what was possible. Mm -hmm. um, I did a lot of stuff. I thought I was going to be a speech pathologist, and then I took anatomy, and I was like, wow. <laughs> There's no way in hell this is going to happen. Um, <laughs> econ was one of the few classes I got an A in in school, but it's fine. Ultimately, I found my way in New York uh, working as a nanny and came across this woman who I was the nanny for who saw something in me that I didn't necessarily see in myself at the time. And she's like, what are you doing with your time? And I was like, I don't know. I'm like living in New York and... <laughs> I'm poor, but I'm cute. I'm getting photographed. And this is like a little bit Instagram. So I was getting photographed by photographers. So you really couldn't tell me anything. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't until I met her. And then I really had a better understanding of storytelling through going to Parsons. And I really got into visual storytelling. So I'm curious. So now you've found yourself in this English major. You know that you want to tell stories. Where did storytelling really begin for you in a way that touched other people and just wasn't a personal moment. Mm. That's really interesting. I mean, I think I've always been this like person that existed on the internet, but in very small ways. Like I had a fashion blog when I was in high school, which is like so cringe. Like I hope it, the whole thing is like burning somewhere. Does Wait, I, was it a WordPress? Where was it? It was like a blog spot. Did okay. anyone have one? Okay. Or was like, am I just alone here? Like, it, okay, so... <laughs> To the woman that raised her hand in the back, like, if someone found it, wouldn't you be so embarrassed? Like, literally crawl in a hole and go away. Like, it would be the worst. So, but anyway, I had a fashion blog. Um, but for me, I think podcasting was this medium I always felt so connected to. You know, it's like, I loved podcasts and I listened to podcasts. Serial was obviously like a huge podcast. When was Serial? 2014. Um, but, like, I can remember listening to, like, Mark Maron and Joe Rogan and all just, like, white guys in their garage, like, talking to a buddy, like, talking to a friend. Um, and I was like, why aren't there, like, any black women having conversations with other people in a way that's just, like, low-key and it's not... And I, I remember trying to find a podcast, like, the one that I eventually ended up creating, but I, I just couldn't... Anytime it was, like... This was back in 2016. It was a lot of, like, women's empowerment, like... Be, had to be a girl boss. Um, and then there was a lot yes. of like relationship <laughs> content. Um, but I was like, and I loved Into the Gloss. I always like would pour over like Into the Gloss and I loved hearing people's skincare routine, but also hearing their story through, through skincare. So I was like, I just want to talk to women I admire about beauty and self-care. Like that's really what I want to do anyway. And if other people listen, that's great. But I'm in, really invested in having these conversations. And just as I released episodes, just hearing from people that heard it and changed their perspective on beauty or they, you know, picked up a tip or changed something about their relationship as a result of someone's story. Like, I was like, there's something here and I want to continue doing this. Mm. 
I'm, I'm always in such awe of people who had a really un- an understanding of podcasting mm-hmm. and also had references. Because when I got into podcasting, I had zero references. Never listened to a podcast. Didn't really care. I knew I liked to talk. And I was like, someone's going to listen, I guess. So, so I literally, but, but very similar to you, um, I wanted to create a space where um, I, women that I admire could share stories because I was really fearful about entering motherhood. I didn't understand how I would really maintain a sense of self, have fun, my friends want to hang out with me, have community, but then also you know, usher in this new experience. So I was just like, okay, I'm in New York. Uh, I have access to these things. Also, when we're talking about using what you have and and having a certain privilege, I was very privileged to have access to a podcasting studio and to know an engineer and to know a producer and have a friend that I started with. What did like day one look Mm -hmm. like for you in podcasting? Yeah, I mean, I I ordered mics off of Amazon and I had GarageBand, like, I mean, I was terrible. Like, my first few times editing my podcast, it took me something like six hours to edit, like, one hour of audio because I didn't understand that you could have an um and you could have a pause. And I, there, was, there was just so much I didn't understand, and I was always having to teach myself in the process by making mistakes, but that's how the first year of anything goes. And it's so... And also, I feel like those are the best times. Like, the, the, the beginning, like, struggle phase is, like, kind of the best, you know? It's, like, before the success happens, when you're just building it, and, yeah. you, you know, you kind of have nothing to lose in a way. Literally, just walking into a blind. Yeah, like, that's kind of the best. So it was very much like a self-taught, self-struggle, slow crawl. Um, and then eventually, you know, I just kept doing it and doing it, and the show grew, and I was able to sign on with Acast, and, you know, they've set me up with studios there, and I have now a whole editing team and an editorial team, so I'm able to make... Naked Beauty, what it is today, but I've been doing it for what six years now. It's been a long time. What was that turning point? When did it feel like this this can become successful? Um, I think it's about when you. I mean, to be like frank, for you know, please. I, there are lots of podcasters in the room here. We've got Chelsea from Black Girls Texting, Bianca from. Okay, it's now no longer happening, but How Neil Feel, which was like my favorite podcast, and um, yeah, I mean it's a numbers game, right? Like you reach a certain number of weekly or monthly listeners where you become attractive for like an advertiser to be on the show. Um, But I do think it takes time. It takes a lot of time to get there. Don't I know it? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm aware. I'm I'm curious about at what point did you start having a nine to five? Were you always working? Yes. Okay. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you are able to glean from both experiences? Yeah. <clears throat> I was working at Viacom. I was on the entertainment marketing team at Viacom um, when I started the podcast. And I had come from Ralph Lauren, where I was doing social media. Has anyone been a social media manager here? It's literally like the most draining. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, okay. Like No shade to anyone. I mean, else. literally, like, there needs to be therapy for yeah. social media managers because it is one of the most draining, difficult jobs that there is. Um, it is just always on. Um, so I was recovering from that, and I was like, let me have just a, a more straightforward marketing job with some boundaries. And it was really the first time that I had boundaries. Like, I had, like, I started at nine, and I finished at five. And that structure allowed me to say, okay, now that I know what my days are, I can 
develop a side hustle. I can develop a thing on the side. Suddenly it felt like I had all this free time. So that's when I started Naked Beauty. And, um, you know, then when I got to Instagram, I was there for two years. Then I went to Instagram in 2018. I got hired by Instagram. And it was a huge learning period entering tech, you know, understanding what it takes to be a product manager and what all the different acronyms mean. And it's just like, you know, Instagram has grown a lot since I joined. I think when I joined, there were less than a thousand employees. You know, it's like a small company owned by Facebook still, but a relatively small team. Um, But it was a big learning curve. And so that's when I said, okay, I still want to do my podcast. I'm still going to maintain it, but we're going to do bi-weekly episodes. You know, I I had that flexibility. Um, No one's world was going to fall apart if there wasn't a new episode each week. So then it's like, okay, let me do bi-weekly. And then it's like, okay, now I I feel like I've, I've I understand my job. Now I can go back to weekly. So it's like you have seasons of how full force you go with your creative efforts. And then, you know, motherhood comes and that's another, okay, I need to pause. I need to take a break. But, you know, as a creative, I think the ideas are always in you, right? And that audience will always be there. So it's okay to give yourself time. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to personally accept that message because I need it. Um, the ebbs and flows of life definitely impact, especially as a creative person, what we're able to pull from ourselves, the stories that we even feel comfortable telling. And also sometimes you just have to like sit in the thing mm-hmm. in order to understand what is actually the story that I'm looking to excavate and like what's worth sharing. Um, so I'm really curious to know, cause all right, Brooke. Now, I, I, I watch you on Instagram, like most people in, in here, obviously. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, and I'm like, I am in such awe, because I'm like, how the hell does this woman create so much content? Oh, and like, I Is deep, that really the perception? It, absolutely. Am I anyone else? Yeah, oh I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But I, I, I'm like, I think that you really produce quite a bit of content. No, I do. I do. Yeah. No, I no, mean, I come on, bro. It's, it's just, it's, it's, yes, okay. Well, <laughs> I wanna, I'm curious to hear the question because I have a lot of thoughts on this. Okay. So I, I want to have an understanding, one, of what are you conscious of? Okay, I'm going to create this. Mm-hmm. And then also, speaking of boundaries, what are the boundaries that you have in terms of what you share and what you don't share? Okay, so I think that when I see other people using social media, I, I have friends like this, they'll, they'll like text me like 17 different pictures and they're pretty much all the same picture and they'll say, which one should, I, which one should be first in the carousel? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, first of all, no, like, okay, let me tell you this. Watch someone else go through stories. This is what they're doing. Tap, 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 tap. You look at one video, you're zooming in, you're listening to the background audio, you're like, do I like my voice here? Literally no one, no one is paying attention. Okay, fine. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know what I learned? It's, I, th- I thought this was so interesting. I learned that in Japanese culture, like being extremely shy is actually considered like a form of vanity because it's like, oh, like you think so highly of yourself that like other people, which is, and, and I'm not saying that I like agree with that. I believe that some people are more shy and more introverted, but I do think that oftentimes we have this like heightened sense of like other people judging us. And so, yes, yeah, some people are, of course, some people are going to judge and okay. And like, it's, it doesn't really. Right. Cause we see the fences. So like someone is looking and judging. Right. And fine. Yeah. You know, it's like, that doesn't, you know, it's just, I think it's like very freeing to not, um, hold back or monitor because of like perception of what someone else is going to think. Like if, if you like it and you're happy with it, like I just, 
I'm not like editing things. I'm not like reshooting things. I'm just like putting it together. I'm like, this is good. I feel good about this. Let me like release it out into the world. Because I think as I've learned from people that have been great at what they do, it's all about hours, right? 10,000 hours. I was just um, reading Jay-Z's biography, Decoded. And he talked about how like from the moment he woke up to when he went to sleep, since he was like 14, 15 years old, he was rapping. He, was, he, was, he would read dictionaries and like thesauruses in his spare time and like figure out wordplay. But it's like years and years and years and years and years have like gone to him, him to this point. And I think that if you want to be a great content creator, I think you just have to create and create and create and find your voice. And, and not everything's going to be like the best thing ever, but just put it out there, you know? Here's, I totally agree with that. Except, <laughs> yes, I want to. I want to hear the pushback. Except the the pushback is, I think that there is obviously an inherent pressure to create content when that is not what you actually want to do, but that is part of building success for something else. For example, as a podcaster, mm. I want to podcast. I love to talk. I got in trouble for talking in school <laughs> every year of my yeah. life. Right, at least talks too much in class. I do not want to create viral videos for Instagram. But I understand that in order for people to hear my message and for, in order for me to reach the level of success I'm looking for, that I have to create content. So I'm, I'm really curious about mm -hmm. that intersection of creators, artists, mm -hmm. creatives, also having to become content creators. Yes. I'm so happy you said what you said about you don't want to create viral videos because neither do I. And almost it's like shouldn't be the intention. It's like create what you want to connect with other people on. And if it, if it goes viral, it goes viral. Great, you know? But I think it's about, I think a lot of things on the internet are like extremely cringe and like, no, I'm not going to do this dance. I'm not going to like, do, I'm not going to do this like dumb thing because it's trending. Like that's very embarrassing to myself and, and <laughs> to my friends um, and my family. So, you know, I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to think about, okay, if I want to reach people with, with a certain message or do some storytelling, this is how I'm going to do it. The, I made a video this year. I mean, the way that it went viral was so shocking to me. I got into my Uber and I had just a drop dead gorgeous Uber driver. I know the video. Yeah, it has something yeah. like 22 million views. I mean, something like insane. That's sick. Right? In the best way. In the best way. But it was just me being like, you know, like, you should see this woman. I mean, drop dead gorgeous. Um, I got in. She was stunning. I was like, this is my beautiful Uber driver. She's like, I'm 43. I'm from Senegal. And she, Quick, what I do all the time on my podcast every week, right? Interview interesting women. Quick little snippet. And it's like millions and millions of people. But I wasn't like, let me put this out so I can go viral, you know? So right. it's just like have the energy and the right intention behind the content. And whatever happens to it is kind of separate from your creation process. I think that a lot of what I'm feeling and hearing from you is a real sense of self-assurance. And maybe a real comfort and peace within self that has existed for quite some time from childhood until now. And I mm -hmm. think that that is also something that a lot of people can glean from you, but also are missing. Um, in a world where we live in a super hypercritical world, we are constantly questioning ourselves. Other people are questioning us. I think it's such a superpower that you have to feel so centered in self. Um, one of the experiences that could knock you off of that center or maybe add to that is motherhood. So I would love to kind of explore, you were pregnant during the pandemic. Yes. Let's talk about pregnancy and motherhood in the midst of a time of uncertainty 
and the impact that that had. I mean, there's so many ways we can go, but I would love to understand how that impacted your sense of self and also your sense of beauty in pregnancy. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think a lot of us in the room were moms during the pandemic. Um, it's kind of like the, all we knew, like, you know, being pregnant during the pandemic was, I don't have anything to compare it to. Um, I certainly did not have any FOMO, right? I think normally probably you're pregnant, people are going out, partying, inviting you to stuff, and you're like, I can't go. Um, I didn't have any of that. So that was kind of nice to just be at home and in that like nesting, relaxed mode. Um, and I've always loved self-care. So I liked that I had more time for self-care. And I think that time of being pregnant during the pandemic, having time to take you know, a long bath or do a hair mask or just all the things that you don't have time to do when you're like rushing to and from work and just like the, the craziness of like, I don't know how I went to an office five days a week. Like I truly do not know how I woke up, got dressed, went to an office, like went to workout classes after, met people for drinks, like... Absolutely not. Five days a week? Like, are no. you insane? I'm like exhausted when I had to go in the office two days after like we started it's going back. Literally, it's like, I need to just lie Commute? down. Yeah. Oh. To and from? You get home and you're like, I just need to lie down. I was like, the fact that I would leave work and like meet someone for a drink and then like go to a thing, like what? Insane. Like I just, that was a different time. Um, I've now I've forgotten what we were even talking about. <laughs> it's fine. Because, we're pregnant. It's the pandemic. Yes. I'm not pregnant, but you're pregnant. Yes. But, you know, just that, that lifestyle completely came to an end during the pandemic. So I liked that. And I knew during my pregnancy... Even when I become a mom, I, I'm going to make time for self-care. And I heard people say things like, you're, I feel like there's this weird thing where like oftentimes, and I, I don't want this to come off the wrong way. <laughs> oftentimes Same. more experienced mothers can speak to less experienced mothers in like a, not in an, in, like not, <laughs> they speak sometimes in a way to intimidate. Do you, know what, do you know what I mean? Like it's like they tell like horror, it's like, Oh, Absolutely. just you wait. It's the worst. Oh, you don't yeah. even know yeah. yet. Oh, he's two now. Wait till he just hits the light. Just wait till he starts yeah. cursing like, right. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's always something. It's like yeah. doomsday is like around the corner. Yeah. But I remember I would like talk to moms when I was pregnant and they'd be like, oh, you're not going to have time to shower. Like, and I was like, what? Like, they were like, you're not going to have time to no. shower. I showered. Yeah, no, I, I, as did I. Yeah. As did I. <laughs> I had a full like skincare kit like at the hospital, like literally did like a full routine like the night I delivered because I was like I oh my god yes I'm bedridden but like yes I'm going to like do my Mistler yes. water and like a nice sleeping mask I love that the Laneige is going on the lips I love that my mother two strand twisted my hair beautiful and then pulled it out and fluffed it because I was like mm, I look amazing good, you know I was yeah I felt bad but I was like I'm gonna look like something we're gonna look good yeah the nails are done yeah they were not okay <laughs> But but I did I did remember like making this like intention when I would hear mom say like oh you're not even gonna have time to shower and I remember thinking like I may be like extremely tired and yes it's like very hard but I said I am going to find time to shower even if it's a two minute shower I'm gonna shower every day if I can right because where will I cry right if I don't take a right. shower right. right 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 and it didn't happen maybe maybe it didn't maybe there were a few days where it didn't happen or I didn't do my skincare routine and that's okay but I do think it was important to set that intention for myself because it made me feel like more of myself in those first three months which was so difficult not to be those moms, but the first three months were really fucking hard. Yeah, no, they are. And nothing can prepare you for it. No, there's nothing that we can say here for everyone here. If you're not a mom, you're thinking about being a mom. If you're listening, 
it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. You kind of won't even remember it, but it is so hard. <laughs> it was, I remember Sergeant had like thrush in his mouth and I had it on my breast and then it was on the sheets and I, I just remember crying and my mom was like, it'll be over. Like, you know, the first three months are hard. And this was like maybe week three. I was like, three months? I have to keep doing this? This is going to keep happening? But to your point, I, I did do things to take care of myself as well. I definitely took a shower. I used to stress out. I think it was my, L. was it you? Where are you? When I would put Sergeant in like a little bouncy thing and he would just be like sliding down in this bouncy <laughs> and I would just take the longest, most luxurious showers. I'm like, you'll be fine. I mean, you can't walk. And the worst is going to happen. You'll slide on the floor. I'll get you. You'll be fine. <laughs> so I would do that and I would still go out with friends. I would you know, I say burden, you know, tongue in cheek, but I would like burden my friends that Sergeant would be strapped to me. And I'm like, let's do it. Let's go to the restaurant. Let's get yes. drinks. The, let's go to the gallery. That's when you can do it. Literally. Yeah. Because now. Now it's harder. It's. Yeah. Let me tell you, I spoke on this panel um, and it was a motherhood panel. So I was like, I can bring my kid. It's fine. Everyone has their child. Do you know that Sergeant came and walked up on the stage? <laughs> That's adorable. Though. And took the mic and started telling everyone how much he loves whatever it was that he loved at the time. Transformers. Aww, that's what cute, though. I mean, it's so He'd cute. He'd be welcome here tonight. Mm-mm-mm. No. <laughs> no, because he outshines me in every room. And it's like, it's the one person I can't take. I'm like, no, you'll be better than me. I can't do it. <laughs> Always, always. They're always the star of, star of the show. Always the star of the show. You know, something that we were chatting about um, in, our, in our brief connection before this was being able, one, being mothers who really wanted to have girls. Yes. Oh, the gender disappointment was so real. God. Yeah, I definitely cried on a park bench um, <laughs> when, and like bullied the woman and tell, I was 12 weeks and she was like, it's only like 70 something percent. I was like, tell me today. <laughs> 70 is enough. I'll take my chances. And she was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a penis. I was like, all right, well, here we are. <laughs> and I held back my tears until I left. And Aww. then I cried. Mm. And because for me, I grew up um, for a period of my time with a single mom. And we were so close. Yeah. And when we're talking about beauty, you know, my mother was my first real introduction to beauty. I just thought my mother was the most gorgeous woman in the world. Because um, she is in what? I mean, not anymore, but like, because <laughs> it's me now. But no, no, no. She <laughs> but when I was young, I was obsessed. <laughs> I was obsessed. I was obsessed with my mother. I was obsessed with Whitley Gilbert from a different world. I thought that they were the same person. That's like what my mom gave, um, but like cooler. Um, anyways, that's a, that's a tangent that doesn't matter at this point. Uh, anyways, so I was like, my mother and I have such a great relationship. I want to have that same relationship with my daughter. So I was like, I don't understand. I barely understand men. Now I have to raise one. Like, how am I going to do this? How will I share the things that I find important and the things that I find valuable, like being a woman and how I, and how I show up in the world in that way? Um, and then Sergeant came. And I was like, wow, you're so cool. Right. And I really like you. And you're also just like me. So, like, Spirit gave me exactly what I needed and what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And one of the really... Um, 
clear decisions I knew I wanted to make in terms of how he presents in the world and his beauty was having freeform locks. Yes, I love his locks. Thank you. I love his locks too. I'm very obsessed. But also like the bane of my existence Um, because I feel like I should have had locks at this Mm. point, the way that I have to care for them (laughs) and groom them. We had to cut them off because this hating ass woman put gel in his locks at a point and then they got lock rod and we had to start over and it's fine. That's a story for another time. But anyways, that was, you know, that was a real distinct kind of beauty choice that I made in Raising Sergeant. Were there any really distinct choices that you decided to make in terms of one, raising a son, how you wanted him to show up in the world, how you view him and how you wanted him to view himself? Yeah, I mean, I think I have a similar experience to you where like I wanted a girl and then now that I have a boy, I'm like, oh, this is like the best and like I can't imagine things any differently. Um, one of the things that I decided early on was to make self-care and like bath time like a priority where he really understood that this was like nice, enjoyable. It wasn't like, okay, now you've got to take a bath. Like this is like this horrible thing. It's like, okay, we're going to go in. We're going to put on like nice candles. We're going to do some like essential oil drops in the tub. We're going to do- He gets candles. Well, we always light a candle in the bathroom. Oh, I love that. Okay, yeah, bath time. Bath time, yes, add a candle. It really sets, it really sets the vibe. And I feel like it also like signals to the child, like we're winding down now. The same way we like to light candles and like, you know, it's like they've, they've had their meal, they've had their milk, like they're getting into their, they're transitioning <laughs> to sleep time. It's like, you want to make that as like relaxing as possible. So yeah, like lower light candles, but then like adding oils to the bath and also always doing like massage. So like, we'll always do like full body massage. And now he offers to give me a massage, which is so nice, you know? So cute. It's so nice. He like puts his hands together and I'm like, yep, right there. Like, like <laughs> good job. That is the love of a son. Yes. Yes. All my hard work is paying off. <laughs> Soon you'll be giving me a facial. The plan is working. Yes. Um, but I, I love that we have this like self-care time because I realized that a lot of what I thought I wanted with like, a, and it's funny because like I don't even like doing my own hair. So I'm like, how would I have even like... What am I going to do with him? Right. Right. But, but so much of what I was looking forward to when I thought, oh, I really want to have a girl was I want to go shopping. I want to, you know, do the outfits and the bath. Mm-hmm. But it's like we, Mafia and I do all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I see him. Yeah. He, he loves, he loves very, a shopping trip. Very cute. I love shopping for boys clothes. You know, it's like so... It's all kind of just like in your, and you know, gender is a social construct anyway. Right. That part. Yeah. I saw the family photos. So dapper. I actually think I screenshot them and sent them to a friend. I was like, look at this little boy. He is so cute. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So cute. Um, But you're right. Gender, gender is a construct. How we approach parenting is completely up to us. Um, And so I, for me, it's been really important. It's it's funny you say the massage because Sergeant is also spoiled with massage. Mm -hmm. And now he's like, massage she's like we'll point to his back like come on get me get me together and i'm sure you do it every time absolutely absolutely no yeah Uh, i'm like whoever you end up with better be better than me i'm setting the bar (laughs) high um (laughs) something that you brought up that for me was deeply important and also equally as challenging and transitioning into a new city from coming to la to then going back to new york and then coming back to la the thing, one of the things that I missed the absolute most was my hairstylist. Oh, yeah. Micah, I don't know if she's here, but I saw her today. Micah. Her hair looks amazing. Oh, thank you. She is, I'm just going to like sing her praises for a hot second. Um, Micah at Press and Curl, downtown Los Angeles. Okay, yes! 
She's downtown. Press and Curl Bar. It's right across from the Apple Store downtown. Check her out. Tell her I sent you. Um, this is not sponsored. I just it's very generous of you, by the way. Most people gatekeep. I would gatekeep, but she's my girl, so I know she's going she's gonna to hold me down. Your appointment will get bumped, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but I was really happy because a friend of mine, Marquise, was like, I got... All right, so listen, I have a, I have a bit of a story. I decided to perm my hair, Okay. okay. All right, fine. I, I, I've been natural, like, forever, and so I'm not one of those natural women that's like, oh, my God, I'm natural, I'm better. I don't, I don't care. I was like, I want <laughs> silky edges, so I'm going to perm my hair. And so I did, but then I permed it, and then I dyed it, and then I permed it, and then oh, I dyed okay. it, it's and then lot. my hair fell out. Yeah. Because that's what, that's what happens. That's what they tell you, and then I didn't believe it. I thought I was different. <laughs> And then my hair fell out. I just washed it one day and it just was rubber. Um, Yeah, this was like a year ago. Cautionary tale. A cautionary tale. Um, Be be very conservative with the perming and the dyeing. Anyways, so my friend put me on to Micah. And he was like, she can get you together. I go to the salon. I was so embarrassed also because, (laughs) I mean, like it was patchy. I was bad. Every day more and more fell out. And she was like, I got you. I'm going to get you a sew-in. We'll get it together. And not only did she restore like how I felt about myself, um, but Micah ended up being such an important spiritual guide for me. I mean, when I go in there, she prays over me. Mm. You know, it's, she's the only person that I've gone to at a salon where, you know when you leave and you feel like you got to fix it? Yeah. I hate that. Since I've been little, I'm like thank you. And then you're like stressed in your head and you're thinking about how you're going to go home and recurl this piece or change this piece. I don't feel like that when I leave her. Mm. So she has been such a godsend for me. And she was one of the things I missed the most about living in LA when I got back to New York, because I didn't find that experience in all of the salons that I visited in New York. Thank you, but no thank you. So as a new person in a new city, Brooke, how has, have you found like a salon? What is that yeah. beauty routine look like in a new place? Um, so I have to build a whole new team from scratch, which is extremely <laughs> stressful. Yeah. And similar to, it sounds like your relationship with Mike, I had an amazing hairstylist in New York, um, Alicia, who's incredible. Yeah, she goes by the hair artiste. See, we've got fans, um, I love that. But it's like, she understood like cut and color and braids and like the density I liked. And the thing that I didn't realize was like a treat that apparently I'm learning in LA is like luxury service that she would wash and condition my hair before braiding it. Like apparently that's like a, that's like, I mean. You mean like individual braids? Well, it's like you're charging a thousand dollars and I have to wash my own hair and come with it like yes. blow dried and, and then I have to buy, source my own hair. Somehow. Absolutely. Like, you when I would go to her to salon, it was like the hair was there. She had blended it based on what I, it, uh-huh. it was, you know, a full service experience. Yeah. But it's like here the prices are insane and they're like, do everything yourself. Um, you're not wrong. You don't yeah, want to get so, your hair braided in LA. I love you LA, but this is not <laughs> like, you got to go. Let me correct. To get your hair braided in L.A., don't go to any gentrified neighborhood. You have yeah. to go to real L.A. to get your hair braided, yeah. which means you need to connect, which I have. Okay, thank which- you. <laughs> I came to the right place. Yeah, which I came I have. to the right place. Um, so, yeah, and, and I had a similar relationship with, like, the woman who did my, my nail. So I just recently got a, a manicure with my friend Abigail. It was a whole, we had a whole 
30-minute discussion, the shape, the color. And I was like, let's just get the shape right and nail art, let's not push it, you know? Let's just get solid color. And then maybe, like, next month I can work up to, like, finding nail art. But, like, right now I'm just like, let's get the shape and color down. Uh, yes. I, that was the one good thing that I had about New York because I was living in Queens. Mm-hmm. I found the salon that would do a full gel X set for $60. Yeah. Plus design. <sighs> I know. I was humbled when I got back here. Humbled, okay? Um, yeah. There's no design on these nails and there won't be. They're cute <laughs> and plain and that's how they're <laughs> gonna stay. Um, you know, what brought you to the city, actually. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a specific thing. It was just sort of like, to my earlier point about thinking about all of life as this like kind of experiment. Like, my husband and I were spending some time here um, staying at a friend's place, and we would just wake up and like look at this view over like Beachwood Canyon, and we were like, wow, people like live like this, like for real, <laughs> like, you know? And then we go back to New York and like, we're like in the subway, like breathing in exhaust and like trash is <laughs> everywhere. And we're like, but it's New York. And it's like, I'm from New York, right? Like I grew up in New York. Like I was, you know, in New York since I can remember. So New York City is always going to be, I think the best city in the world. But like, I've had that experience. Like I've had it for a long time. My husband and I lived there for a long time, like eight years together, even, you know, after I came back to New York. So I've been in New York for what, like 25 something years of my life. I get New York, New York is great. Um, And why not take this opportunity to try to live on another coast? Like I think everyone should move at one point in their life. And moving is very hard to do. I see lots of nods. Like it's like a very like draining, like life sucking experience. Like I feel like I'm still recovering. You know, it it just takes a lot of time. I feel like it takes at least a year to get acclimated. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. But also to that point about like, um, we were talking about like, you know, content creation and sharing. And it's like, I can't wait until like, I'm all settled and I have all this furniture to like show my life in LA. Like, this is what it is. Like we're on camping chairs, you know, this is what our living room furniture (laughs) is right now. We're like doing a renovation where, but I think that there's like so much beauty in that and like in sharing those perspectives. Even the story you were just sharing about your hairdresser and how she prays over you. As you were saying that, I was thinking like, this would be like, this is the type of thing I'd love to see on Reels or I'd love to see on TikTok, you know? Someone talking about this amazing relationship they have with this woman who does silk presses in downtown LA, you know? And I think the more that we feel empowered to tell stories like that through podcasting, through social media, through, you know, blogging, writing, pitching stories, the better because... I, I, you know, I knew about you far before you asked me to be on this podcast because you were out in the world telling your story. And I'm like, oh, Elise is cool. And she's, she's presenting an interesting way to exist as a black woman and a creative and also a businesswoman who's making money too um, in this space. And we just need more examples and more stories told. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> we love that. Um, yeah. I'm, I, you know, it's funny, Brooke. I, I, I swear, I was thinking about you today because I was like, maybe this will be my new mantra when I, so I can get over myself is like, what would Brooke do? <laughs> and so I, I, I lie to you not. So it was raining. I was like, but my salon is really close to my house. And I was yeah. like, oh, it's not so bad. I'm just going to walk over there like I normally do. And I was like, you know what? I don't have to create a story to tell. I can just live my life and share the thing. So I was like, let me just take a bunch of footage of me walking mm-hmm. in the rain. Yeah. 
in my little outfit, the things yeah. that I see. I'm already, I'm already locked in. Okay. Like, as a viewer, <laughs> Elise in the rain, a cute outfit. Okay. okay. I'm her, here. You're on the way to the hairdresser. I'm here. I'm watching. I got a compliment on my hat on the Ooh, way over. Did you, okay. Did you get that on camera? I didn't. Okay. That's okay. You'll get I to did. the point where you're just like continuously vlogging. It's very embarrassing to get to that point, but you'll get there. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I will. I, I will. Today was like... <laughs> You can do this. It doesn't yeah. matter. So, um, but I was thinking about you and I was like excited to see Micah. So I was like, I'm going to film some of like me yeah. going to see Micah. So I got the content of her. Like I got a couple tape-ins. I was like, okay, okay. cute. This is different. We'll get that. Yes. And then she totally played into it. She gave me like a nice pin curl and let it fall. She was like, I see the content. Yes. I, know. I was like, see, I love this. Thank this you, makes Micah. makes me very happy. Yeah, I'm really excited. What I should have gotten was... Um, when I tried on this outfit and then I decided that I looked not like how I wanted to and had a complete meltdown and probably stressed my friend out over here and stressed my friend on FaceTime. Um, and <laughs> you can the- tell the story. You can still tell the oh, story. Oh, I absolutely will tell the story and, and, and the shit that I was going to wear and I'm glad I got back to this outfit. But anyways, like, very cute. thank you. You look very cute. If, if, um, you guys should be here. We'll, we'll take pictures. You'll see the photos afterwards. You can see how cute Brooke is. Um, but I was thinking about you because I was like, let me just start taking the content. Part of me wanting to come back to LA too is because I feel so free here. Mm. And I feel less restricted than I do when I was living in New York. Although New York has its benefits. I love the city. But I'm going to start doing it. Also, my son is so fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so- just capture your life and what, what motivates you. Yeah. And, what yeah. I freak out about? Exactly. What story have you not told yet that you really would like to tell? Ooh. I've had this story kind of brewing about beauty in L.A., um, and I'm trying to figure out how I want to approach it. Do I want to... Is it, it going to be like an audio series? Is it going to be more like interview style? But between like the plastic surgery and like the ozempic of it all, and like, ah, there's like a lot going on here in this... Yeah. In the Botox of it all. I mean, it's just like... It's just like it's so, beauty procedures and injectables. Everything is so normalized, right? And, but that's only like one very small slice of LA beauty. There's also like, I feel like LA is like the home of like where like kind of new age spirituality began in terms of like the woo-woo. Like there's like, you know, all these areas within like Laurel Canyon that have like a really deep history. But then yes. you have like black history of LA and Baldwin Hills and all of the glamour of like certain like kind of black communities that have been here for a long time and thriving. And there are lots of black owned beauty businesses here in LA that are interesting. And then I think about like Mexican culture. There's just like a lot in terms of like LA beauty culture that I'm really excited to do more storytelling around, but I haven't figured out how I want to tell that story. And then because I'm in the middle of a house renovation, <laughs> I'm like obsessed with interior design. Yeah. All I watch are house tours on Architectural Digest. Like it is an addiction. <laughs> it is an addiction. I just like, love watching house tours and I like kind of like home design content. So I'm like, I kind of want to do some of that too. So yeah, I'm like all over the place, but excited. I'm excited. You know, what I think is interesting about LA in terms of beauty stories is that um, so many other places that you go, especially flyover states or wherever, um, exist in black and white, literally and figuratively. And LA is such a deeply diverse place of brown people and mm-hmm. black people and those cultures and those experiences are very prominent um, and really shape LA culture. So we're talking about experiences of Filipino people, of Mexican mm-hmm. people. Yes. Like you have 
everyone here. Yes. Um, and so I feel deeply interested in like how those beauty stories shape the city. So I'll be watching. Yeah. I'll be tuning in. I'm yeah. excited. And also, what I love about LA is that people do give a damn what they look like. Like when I moved here, I was like, I cared because I'm vain, right? And I always <laughs> have been. But <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm going to start like doing my procedures. I get my filler. Okay, so you're into all the things. I'll do everything. Like I will go. <laughs> but you, Please. I mean, you look amazing. So Thank like you. if I saw your face, I wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, she has all this filler in her face. Like I would never know. So what are you, what are you doing? First of all, my best friend. Michelle German. Give us, like, put us on. Okay, my best friend is Michelle German, German aesthetic. She's based in D.C., but she will not let me go overboard. So she does my filler. Okay. She where primarily, are you getting filler, though? Well, I get it done in D.C., but I also have a place no, in I'm New saying, York. Where on your oh, face? Oh, where on my face? Oh, you want all the through. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry. Fine, I, fine. I, as a beauty podcaster, no, no, I must investigate. Okay, so right now I need a little touch-up, but I do get the Botox on my forehead. Okay, and what does that do? For, is it just like a snatch? It's a snatch. Okay. It's a snatch. That's it. Like, I have a very expressive forehead. Yeah. That's fine. But yeah. I really like when it's smooth and snatched and my eyes are snatched back. And if we're, like, really getting into it, my left eye can be a little bit lazy. Oh, please. Uh, okay. okay. If you know me, you know. If I'm tired or if I've been drinking, then it does its own thing. So, like, with the Botox, it just helps to snatch okay. it back and keep it alive. Okay. So, a little Botox. A little Botox. I also really like filler in my cheekbone. Okay. Yeah, just because I don't have like a naturally, I have like a rounder face, right? Okay. My grandmother did so, that to so me. So what is that? Is that just like a... Like yeah, a, we just want to contour because I don't really know how to do makeup. Like okay. this is this is what... Your makeup looks great. Thank you. This is the most that you'll get. And I also <laughs> called my friend on FaceTime and I was like, how, like, how do I make a pop? Should I do the black liner or should I do the... Like it was a thing. Okay, I so, can't, so it's a natural contour. It's a natural contour. I also got my chin done. Okay, and this is like they say for facial balance, right? For facial balance. Yeah, so um, I think that's just like an upsell though. Maybe, but I did have a recessed <laughs> chin. I did... <laughs> Maybe, but... I got it anyway. <laughs> it was free, um, okay. so it's fine. But I will keep getting it. Um, so I got that done. Okay. I do want a little jaw filler, and then after that, I'll be I'll be fine. The only other thing that I kind of want that I absolutely am gonna get done, I'm absolutely gonna get breast implants. I cannot wait. I've wanted them since I was 14. My breasts have been the same size since I was 14. Yeah, they're same. cute. No, same. And like, I feel like people were like, they're gonna come in, and it just never happened. No, they didn't. <laughs> Never that day not, never came. Only when I was breastfeeding. And I was like, there's, yes, there's no the way best. that they'll that was, go back down. Yeah, And yeah, they yeah. did, yeah. That's the best. Like, when uh, you literally get a boob job postpartum. They were so hot. Yeah. So it's the only them. good thing. So I'm going to get the boobs done. <laughs> and, like, I'm working my ass off in the gym, but, like, I will You get, look great. Thank you. you look I will get this tuck-tuck, though. Like, if it doesn't come to <laughs> Okay, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. No, no, That's you know what? I honestly, I love the transparency. Like, round of applause for that. Because, the, the, like, these are the... This is what people are doing. These are the conversations that we need to have because it's just, like, real and it's honest and we're also in control of how we want to look and how we want to self-present and what yeah. we want to spend our money and time and whatever doing. So, like, I'm all for it. I'm investing in myself. Yeah, I'm all yes. for it. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, y'all. Um, so, you know, like, comment, share when you see it on Instagram. Um, <laughs> Brooke, uh, <laughs> to kind of wind things down, um, I saw on Instagram, speaking of which, that you were using heatless rollers. 
Yes. Oh right? my gosh. Yes. 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 And they looked so good. Like, Thank you. A lovely curl. And you were saying that you were maybe developing these heels. Yes. Can we talk about what's next? Are you getting into product development? What can we be excited about from you? Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I. I started working on these actually like a year and a half ago. And it's so funny because I found all of my old prototypes the other day. And it's like I tried all these different materials. But the whole idea is that I'm not very good at doing my hair. And I love the way curls look, but it's very hard to like get the curling wand out. And I also don't want heat damage. So whether your hair is natural, whether you've got sew-in, whether you can even do this with braids, they're like these heatless hair rollers that give you this like very perfect like retro curl. So I love them. You can sleep in them. Um, and I do want to sell them this year. So I'm very excited. I have like a very yes. small batch. Yes, clap um, it up for that. Yes. And, We're buying and, them. And I'm also just very excited about the way that we've been able to create them. I was able to work with my husband to source like a factory in Turkey that's like a small women's own factory. That's amazing. Yeah. So like, you know, that. it's being created in a very kind of like thoughtful way. And I'm also just like obsessed with Turkish beauty culture. I feel like there's like a whole opportunity to like develop like soaps and robes and there's like just so much that I want to do. So I'm like taking baby steps though. So I'm excited about these hair rollers. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. Yes. Um, any other product ventures that you'd be getting into? Will we, will we see a skincare line from you? No, absolutely not. No, ma'am. <laughs> okay. The skincare market is very saturated. I, I mean, we've got a skincare founder here in the room and you have to like, I'm sure, you know, roll your eyes in the back of your head every day that every celebrity that's ever been in, on screen has like a new, you know, moisturizer to sell. It's insane. Um, I do think that there's interesting space in like the body care arena. And I love body care, like slather me down, like body care is everything. Um, I think skincare for me personally, for me to create a product, it would, it would truly mean that there was nothing like it in the market. Like, okay, you're truly serving an unmet need. And I just don't see that in the, in the skincare space. I think there are other spaces yeah. that are unmet needs. I love that. A woman with integrity. Well, yeah. whatever you're selling, I'm going to buy. Brooke, it <laughs> has you. been such a pleasure. I'm so excited to open the floor up to everyone to ask a cool mom. So I will hop up, pop around, raise your hand, and I'll come to you with the mic. <coughs> Who has a question? Don't be shy. Yes, yes. All right, let's start with uh, your name, where you're from, and anything else about yourself you want to share. Hi, I'm Danny from London. Hey, Brooke. Hi. My question is more around, I know that you talked about your life, about experiments and different experiences that you've gone through in chapters. What would you say is like one of the biggest learnings you took away from, I guess, one of the chapters, you know, your London chapter, your New York chapter, your previous mm. LA chapter, example? Hmm. Is there, is there anything that you in particular are thinking about currently, whether that's like personal life, career, friendship? Because I could go so many ways, but I want to know yeah, what's, what's kind of coming up for you. More kind of like the transitioning between and the, mm. how you're talking about, you know, your work life and then motherhood and then mm. your creative lifestyle, that kind of balance with everything. Yeah. I think the biggest lesson I learned as I like transitioned from trying to balance like work and motherhood and my ambitions was um, to give myself grace and give myself permission like not to do everything all the time. I think that as like women and mothers, we can often be very hard on ourselves um, and you can be your own worst critic. And I had to really sit comfortably in this space of like, this isn't the most hyper-productive period of my life. This isn't going to be like my greatest creative output in my life, but I need to like honor like my body and how I'm feeling and if I'm tired and if I'm feeling more like, you know, 
taking a break and, and taking a pause, I, w- I want to honor that. So I think it's just been about giving myself time and, and not rushing the process. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, I'm Christy. Um, Hi, I moved Christy. here from New York a couple years ago, so. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can't How imagine is it? being pregnant. I, I like LA. I like it so far. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I just have a question. Like, you are super fly right now. Like, you look oh so gosh. cute. Like, Thank do you. you prioritize being fly? Or are you comfortable with, like, leaving out the house, like, you know what I mean? Whatever it is. Or do you like, because you said your self-care routine is very important for you. Like, yes. Do you prioritize your look all the time too? Or is it? Okay. So are you a mom? May I ask? I am. I have a nine-year-old. Okay. Do you, how often are you like getting out of the house? Girl, every day. But okay. I'm so busy. It's okay, like. So, no, yeah. but I'm so happy you said that, Christy, because this is like the core difference. Like okay. I own, like me going out like social like this it's, it's giving like a once every two weeks. Okay. You know? So when it happens, the look is prepared. Right. Okay. We're setting aside an hour to do hair and makeup. We're, we're because it's an event, it's, it's now become an event. It's not like my every day. If I, if I do this every day, I, I mean, I couldn't do, I could, yeah, no. Yeah, that's the impression I get on social media when you see girls that are like always fly. And I'm like, how? Well, okay, a lot of those girls that literally get dressed and take a picture and then go okay. right back inside. <laughs> I get it. Which is also great. Get your content. I love that. But they're not, that's not what they're wearing all day. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> I love that question. Hi, Brooke. Hi. Um, so I loved how you talked about in the beginning you were born into kind of a family that made you realize, um, you know, your natural beauty and you grew up believing in beauty and I would only hope like everyone as children in their early developmental stage feel the same way have you um like as you went through life did you ever feel that confidence rocked at all Mm -hmm. and if I mean like social media as you just mentioned can be very filtered and people compare and stuff do you feel moments of comparison and if so do you have any like strategies to bring you back to that natural core confidence that I hope everybody has yeah it's a great two great questions um I has has the my confidence been rocked growing up I mean certainly yes there have been moments um where like I've been bullied or teased when I joined I moved from a public school in New York to a all-girls private school on the Upper East Side I was the first black girl to enter their class which was like I mean that's insane um yes no I mean I mean quite literally like the author like went to well she didn't go to Spence but she went to like a, a neighboring school um but I was not warmly welcomed into the new community. (laughs) And it's so funny, one of the girls that ended up becoming one of my best friends was bullied me all the time. And now she's like, well, it's because like I was the funny girl and then people thought you were funny and I felt very threatened by that. So like I tried to get, you know, people to not be friends with you. But yeah, I had this like feeling of like, oh, I thought I was like cool and popular and people liked me and now I'm in this new school. And and I think that happens, that same feeling, anytime you move or change circumstances, right? Whether that's like a new job, moving to a new city. When I moved to London and I tried to make friends, I mean, people were like ice cold. Like I'd be like, oh, I, I heard you guys were talking about like some concert that you're going to next Friday. Like, when is it? And they'd be like, um, I'm sorry, like, why are you talking to it? Like, 
rude, like flat out rude, right? But it's intentionally to like make you feel like, okay, you're an outsider. You thought you were in with us. You're not. Stay in your place, right? So I've had those moments of, and now I'm in a new city and I hope to make lots of friends here in LA and everyone's been very like welcoming and friendly, but that's not going to be the case every single time I enter like a new room. And I do think it's important to um, take those moments as opportunities to like persevere and like try again, even though it's very uncomfortable. Um, and then in terms of comparison online, I think you just have to, if people are making you feel a certain way that's like not good, just, you know, unfollow, mute, do what you have to do, you know, create those like protections for yourself. Thank you. I love mute because <laughs> you think I'm still following you. So it's like nice when I see you, but I don't engage at all. <laughs> Hi, Brooke. I'm Zoe. Um, I'm due in about three months. So my first child. <laughs> um, and I'm just curious. You know, I'm in the state where I'm like, you know, preparing myself, my mind, my body, my home for this new baby. And I'm just curious, like, what were some of the things for you as you transitioned into motherhood that were some of the most surprising, but ended up being some of like the most welcome changes um, in you as a person um, as you transitioned into motherhood? Ooh. Elise, will you answer this as well? Yeah, you go first, though. <laughs> okay, the most surprising changes as you transitioned. Um, okay, this is not, like, a popular thing to say, but <laughs> I think the fact that you're kind of still the same person after, you know, I think that there's a way that people talk about motherhood that's, I don't want to say, like, um, inflate. It, it is, like, this beautiful, incredible thing, but there's, like, a lot of kind of, like, you know, from the moment I laid eyes on my child, I was like this different, I was like, I felt this like soul shifting, like earth shattering, like seismic shift. And like, okay, for the moms in the room, like, do you understand what I mean when I say like, you're kind of still just like yourself, but now you have a child? Yes. Yes. You know what I mean? And I think that surprised me, you know? Like there would be moments where like, someone would be like, oh, let's go bike over here. And I'd be like, yeah, okay, I'm gonna go. And I was like, oh shoot, I have a child. I can't. Like, there are even times like you forget, like, mm -hmm. because you're, you're kind of still the same person. So I think that was like, one of the things that like really surprised me. Another, just like, this is like a very like small thing, but it's, it was perceptible and it happened actually during pregnancy. Now as a mother, I, and I love, I love all genres of content. If children are in danger or peril or like being abused in any way, like I cannot turn it off. Like I cannot, like something about motherhood has made me so sensitive to like any yes. images or stories or anything of like children being like harmed or in harm's way. Like I just can't. Just, it was just like, it just happened. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that? Yes. And to, and to the opposite of that, any content where... Like, there's like the boy in karate class and he can't chop through the wood. And then all his friends are like, you can do it, Johnny. And they all like start clapping for him and then he chops through the wood and they all hug him. I am bawling. Yeah. yeah I am just yeah, crying yeah. and oh my crying. Gosh. And I will see that. The corniest that. thing. It's the corniest yeah. stuff. But I'm just like, I hope people treat Sergeant like that. Yeah. Those are good friends. Yeah. So yes, like I've gotten really sensitive to that. Yes. Um, and, and I totally agree with you in terms of like, you, I still, one of the greatest compliments someone said that to me in my DMs today. He was like, you are still the same. And I was like, oh my God, thank you. Like, <laughs> that makes me so happy to hear in certain ways. I think another, and I've said this before, but surprise in motherhood is prepare yourself for the people who are in your life now who are very close to you, 
who may create a lot of distance after you have the baby. That happens, that is a real thing, whether it's a birth, a death, big life changes. Not everyone knows how to process and show up for people. And so for a lot of people, they just give space, even when you just need them to show up. Mm. And to that same point, prepare yourself for the people who will surprise you, who will show up that you are not that close with right now, who will bring you the casserole, who will hold your baby, who will just show up for you in the ways that you really, really need. So be open to where the love is. Mm. That's so true. We got time for a couple more. Yes. I'm Shade. I was born in Long Beach. I actually wanted to um, add on like you wanting some tips. I think that what she said earlier about sometimes when you see your baby and it's not this instant connection, I think a good thing to remember is this is a bond you're going to build with them. It's kind of like meeting a stranger that you get to create your own canvas with. Um, and I think that's very important to remind yourself of constantly. Like, this is a love I build too. And it's, and you know, it's infinite because there are children. You know, there is no boundaries to, for our love with our children. So I think that's a good tip to remember. Yeah. Okay, here I come. <laughs> I'm coming, I'm pumping, I'm pumping. Hi. So this question is for both of you guys. I really appreciated your banter about, you know, you took a shower every day. <laughs> um, we are also pandemic moms, and it was so hard for all of us. But we have, you know, friends who are becoming moms. And how do we not, what's your advice for how we not be so apocalyptic about motherhood, but also be honest about it, right? Because in some ways I was like, I wish somebody told me that I couldn't shower every day, you know? And how do we balance that realistic part while also being real, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think, <laughs> I think one, one way to start is by like sticking to the questions that they ask, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you've come to me and you want my opinion, then you share your opinion. But I think you also have to like couch it in like, this was my experience, right? I think a lot of times when I like bristled at what other mothers told me, was there like definitive like, oh, just wait until, it was like, almost like, oh, well, you know, when you're doing sleep training, it's gonna be a disaster because of X, Y, and Z. And a lot of it was true and <laughs> they did tell me. Um, but I think it's just about explaining like, from my experience or what I have found to be true has been this. And then I think people always appreciate hearing another person's honest lived experience, as long as you don't like project it onto them. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that from my perspective or my experience allows people to let their guard down and hear what you have to say instead of bracing themselves for their response to what you have to say. And also I, I'd be curious, it's, it's just a thought, um, you know, now that we're slowly coming out of this pandemic, to be really conscious as many mothers are pandemic mothers, and also how does that make you feel to know that other mothers having babies now will have a much different experience than what yours was. When I had my son, we were not in a pandemic. We were out, we were about, we went to mommy and me classes. And even during the pandemic, I, my son went to school still every day. School looked a little different, but here in LA, they let kids go to school. So we didn't have the same pandemic experience. I'm very conscious of that. Um, and so be conscious that their experience will be different from yours as. Exactly. 
exactly. Hi, I'm Jasmine, LA native. Um, do want to collect more experiences in other places, but just not yet. But um, I wanted to just kind of hop on what she said about the showering and. Um, <laughs> No, not not just about that. Just the um, idea that like the self care around mm -hmm. it. Um, I guess for me, um, as you were speaking, I was feeling a little like shit. I didn't get to do that every day, mm. and I didn't have the mental space for that every mm, day. That's very and real. And I didn't have the tribe to help me mm -hmm, mm -hmm. every yes. other day or once yes. a week. Yes. So for me, I guess, and I had postpartum anxiety and depression. So wow. um, my question is, did you experience one or the other or both? Yeah. Or did you have a tribe? Um, how did you still yes. get that self-care yeah. in that in the thickness of becoming a first-time mom. Yes, thank you so much for bringing that up because there's like an immense amount of privilege to be able to say like, yes, I prioritize taking a shower every day. So I'll tell you how it started. I would tell my husband, I'm going to take the fastest, I'm going to take a 30-second shower. I'm just going to jump in the shower. I'm going to take a 30-second shower. He was like, no, take 30 minutes, take an hour, take however long you need. I've got this. You know, you can step away for an hour and things will be fine. Um, and so I really appreciated my partner stepping in and, and playing that role. To your point about postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, now I can't, like, I never got like a diagnosis about it, but I think it was like maybe 10 months postpartum, I was reading about postpartum anxiety and I was like, did I have this? Because I would continually like imagine like worst case scenario. Like I would be going down the stairs and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to like fall and the baby's going to fall. And it was just like these really like um, dark scenarios. Um, and I didn't even realize at the time that that is, you know, very, yeah, that's considered like postpartum anxiety. So I think it, it is something that I guess in retrospect I was dealing with, but I didn't even have like the language or know what it was. I was just like, oh, I'm just like an overly cautious, like I'm just extremely worried about this. So, yeah. I also have an Aries partner, so I had that. Okay. <laughs> I had that, you know, that partner who's like, yeah, no, you're going to yes. take care of, like, he was cheering me on all day to be here, so. Yes, oh, we you love that. that. I love that for you. <laughs> I just want to add a little note on to the end um, as we're wrapping up, and it might be a little controversial, so brace yourself, but... Uh, I do think in retrospect, I definitely had brought to your point some postpartum anxiety. I did the exact same thing. I would get on the train. I was still living in New York. Mm -hmm. And I would say, okay, if someone started shooting on the train yes. right now oh while I'm gosh. with the baby, yeah. who would protect me? Like, who could yeah. I hide behind? Yeah. Who would help rescue me? Mm -hmm. I would have those really kind of like dark, worst case scenario thoughts. Yeah. If I, you know, carrying the stroller down the subway steps, yes. if I fall, fall yep. how will I protect the baby? That kind of shit happened all the time. However, I also was a single mother for mm -hmm. a very long... I mean, I'm still a single mom. And there was, into me, also a lot of privilege in being able to fall apart. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that opportunity to fall apart. I couldn't fall apart because if I fell yeah. apart, who's going to do it? Mm -hmm. Who's going to change the baby's diaper? Who's going to feed? Who's going to feed me? And so I think that there's... Um, and there's a lot of controversy, but I love Amani Cohen, Hood Healer. We had her on here and we talked about postpartum depression. And I think that there are a lot of value in some of the things that she shared, which are, you know, many times in postpartum, 
um, it feels like the easiest way for people outside of the motherhood experience to understand that you need help, right? And that you are not feeling your best. And so we don't have the, always have the language for it, but what we do know is postpartum depression. What we do know is postpartum anxiety. So I find that that tends to be the language that we use. And many times it's like, I need help. I need a friend. I need community. And I feel in many ways that people do respond and understand and empathize with having postpartum anxiety or depression versus someone saying, I'm just having a hard time. I really could just use some help. Um, I know that was really difficult for me to do. And that was a, the, probably the greatest lesson in motherhood that I've learned is how to ask for help um, because I struggled so much in the beginning. So also just I don't know, thoughts, thoughts. Yes, this will be the, the final one. This will be the final one. Okay, okay, and then I got you. And then we'll wrap it up. Um, this is for both of y'all. Because I'm not a mother. I think I'm, I'm very afraid of this. My friends know I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of motherhood. Uh-huh. What, what about it makes you afraid? Well, let me ask my question. My question is... <laughs> we, don't, we don't get into that. We'll save that for the therapist child. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> are you the mother that you thought you were going to be? Or however you envisioned yourself? Like, whether or not you thought you, you would be a mother if your pregnancies were planned or not, I don't know. But, like... When you became pregnant, your vision of yourself prior to that or during it, whatever, at whatever point you started envisioning yourself as a mother, now that your children are here and have been for years, are you the mother that you thought you would be? Because I think my worry is, is that you just hear about how you lose yourself and that you, you, you're not your whole self and that you have to compartmentalize so many pieces of yourself. If you are an artist, if you are a businesswoman, if you are whatever, a creative, the things that you do outside of your motherhood, if you're a partner, if you're a wife, if you're all of these, these identities you have to carry, it's a fucking lot. Yeah. Um, I wonder, like, in your vision of who you thought you would be as a mother, how that has played out for you. And then I also have one for you specifically, Brooke, because um, I, I just learned, I think, a, like about your motherhood experience, I think, so I hadn't delved that much into you, but just at a glance, I assume there's like some cultural differences in like how you parent with your partner, and I wonder how that is in general, because I think that all of, like regardless of like background, right, like everyone has that, and so I'm always curious about what that looks like, because I'm sure there's some. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm laughing because there are a lot. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think, Elise, do you want to answer the question about are you the mommy that you thought you were? And I can maybe speak to the cultural differences between sure. my husband and I, yeah. Uh, I am better than the mother I thought I would be. Oh. And I, and, I, and I had to really... <laughs> this is my Aries friend, obviously. Um, <laughs> but, and I say that because when you ask, but that was the first response that came to mind, and that's me being really honest and giving myself the credit. Um, I didn't have really any expectations of who I would be, but I'm so happy of how I show up because I get to be myself. And my son really accepts me for exactly who I am. So I love that in motherhood. Yeah. Um, my husband is Turkish, and he's also older than me. So, like, different generation, different country, like, lots of differences. Um, so, yeah, he grew up in Istanbul, and it's very funny because I think he, like, his, the way that he grew up, like, in terms of how kids entertained him, themselves, he's, like, we were, like, let out and then, like, expected to come in by, before it got dark. Like, there was no, like 
paying someone to like show your kids puppets. Like he's like, it's all a scam. He's like, all of these music, cl- all of this stuff is like so unnecessary. Like we just like played with like boxes. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> so I get a lot of that, like, you know, from his perspective, a lot of the, like the enrichment programs are like, why are we like wasting our time? The other thing that's really funny is, and I think it's going to become more of a thing and LA parents, like, let me know, especially ones with older kids, like your like friends of your kids, like come over to your house, right? Yeah, everyone's no. nodding. No. Oh, okay. But, but older, <laughs> so from what I assume is like, you'll get to an age, like, especially as you're older, where like, there will be like play dates at the house. They, he asks for them. There is one child that I allow okay. into my house. And okay. that's Stefania's son, because Aww. I love him. Because Aww. other kids don't know how to act. Well, okay, so, so, so this is the, this is, we're, we're shopping for furniture now. We're trying to find a sofa for our living room. And I'm, he's looking at all of these, like, beautiful, like, and I'm like, well, you know, when, when Mavi's older and he's got all of his friends over from, you know, soccer, he's like, all of his friends over. Okay. What? No. I, I was like, what do you mean? Like, you know, growing up, didn't you have, like, play dates? <laughs> he's like, we were not in other people's homes. People did not come to our homes. And I'm like, what? He's like, we were outside. Like, we were, like, let, allowed to play outside. And I'm like, okay, so our child's not allowed to, like, have friends over? He's like, mate, in the front yard, mate. I'm like, okay. <laughs> this is going to be, like, an interesting conversation because, like, it's very different from my, like, American, you know, the way that I was, you know, slumber parties and all of that stuff. He's like, we're having none of that. So um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. And it's, it's already coming up in small ways. Yeah, I'm with your husband. But you know, <laughs> he would feel very funny. validated in this room. It's funny because, he, because his birthday is on Sunday. He's turning five. And he's like, can so-and-so come? And I'm like, uh. And then I just try to change the subject or act <laughs> like I don't know what's happening. Because like, I know the people that are coming. They are my grown-up friends and your one kid friend that I love that is allowed to come to the house. And listen, Brooke, I love that energy. I had that energy until I had a child who came over my house, who's a friend's kid. He stood up on the coffee table and the mother was there. She didn't say anything. And I was like, oh, Oh, and then he also punched me one time. And I was uh, uh, um, so taken aback. And Sergeant got so upset about it that I'm not going to say the boy's name, but he was like, I want us to print out a picture of his face and we're going to put an X through it because he's not allowed to come to the house anymore. Yes. Sergeant That's gets it. That's it. We're not playing with moms. Boundaries. So, you know, boundaries. You have to, you'll, you'll find like, I'm assuming, I'm, maybe I'm projecting. Yeah, we're going to reach a nice middle ground. A nice middle ground. There'll yeah. be kids who can come over and the kids is like, mm-mm, Tim can't come over ever again. He can stay in the front yard. Um, thank you all so much for your time and your energy. Thank you, Brooke, so much. Until thank next you. time. Thank you. This was so wonderful. Thank you. I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. 